Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast. And this week, I'm excited to have another guest on the podcast. So Samantha Goddard is a professional dancer turned therapist and coach, specializing in helping women to heal from the root cause behind their anxiety, self-criticism, low self-esteem, and emotional eating behavior. That's quite some list. Well, first of all, welcome, Sam. Thank you, Marie. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. You're very welcome. So first of all, can you tell me a bit more about your business and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, coming from the, the dance world that I did, um, criticism, low self-esteem, facing a lot of rejection, especially body image, weight issues were all something that I dealt with on a daily basis. So as I sort of transitioned through from my previous job, teaching fitness and dance into the therapy and coaching world, um, I found I was really able to help people, especially women who were suffering with low self-esteem, um, anxiety, emotional eating, uh, just not feeling good about their bodies. Um, and I was able to help them to just totally transform how they feel about themselves, um, which has just impacted every area of their life. It's amazing how doing this work really helps to impact so many areas of your life because when you feel good in yourself, it just impacts how you respond to your, you know, family and friends. And um, so it's been, it has been completely life-changing for me to be able to do this. And because that must be so satisfying seeing the impact that, that you have on people. And how did you, how did you get started with the business? So I was teaching dance and fitness. Um, I taught classes for around 25 years. And um, this is when I stopped working as a a professional dancer and I had my children and teaching classes was a way of, you know, it, it fits in around family life. Um, and then from that, because of the health side of things, I then studied nutrition um, and weight management. And then I was working with clients to, to help them make healthier choices. And I discovered that there were certain blocks. So it's not the logical understanding of that's healthy. I should eat that. That's unhealthy. I shouldn't eat that. It was this part of their mind that they would find themselves, you know, not having one donut, they'd eat a whole pack of donuts and they'd be like, why have I done this to myself? Why, you know, why have I done this? I don't, I didn't want to do that. And they didn't understand what was going on. And I, I didn't really understand what was going on. So I went looking for that, the psychological part. And that's when um, I found Marissa Peer, who is my teacher. And she used to be an aerobics teacher, funnily enough. She used to work as a Jane Fonda at her oh, studios. Wow. <laughs> so it's funny that she had the same um, sort of path. And, um, and it was that when I got to work with people's subconscious minds, we could go right to the root cause of the emotions that are causing the behavior. And that was an absolute game changer in getting people to change their habits. And I mean, a, a lot of women suffer from low self-esteem um, in particular, um, and some men too. What are some of the things that we as individuals can, can do about that? Oh, absolutely. I think sometimes as women, we're our own worst enemy. 
we beat ourselves up, we feel guilty and we criticize our, ourselves an awful lot. And I think if you could hear what goes on in women's heads when they say they look in the mirror, for example, and they'll say to themselves, oh my God, you look awful. You look so fat. Why are you wearing that? You look like a sack of potatoes. And oh, you're so stupid. Oh, you're an idiot. You know, we say these things to ourselves. And if we were to say those things out loud to our best friend, they wouldn't be our best friend for very long. But it's like it's okay to be that critical and judgmental and harsh on ourselves. And it's really not okay. And so, it's what really is important? We change that. I was going to say, so what are some yeah. of the things that, that, that we can do? Is it just a case of being aware of it? Yeah, awareness is definitely key. Uh, so listening to that voice, noticing that it's not actually a part of you. It's just a little voice in your head. It's a critical voice, a nagging voice. And when you become aware of it, you can choose to say, shut up. That's not nice. I'm not saying that about myself. I'm going to say something much better about myself. I'm going to choose to say, I look good. I'm going to choose to say, you know what? You made a really good decision. You know what? I've got great coping skills. And especially when it comes to working with people with anxiety, they are so stuck with these negative looping thoughts about what might happen and might go wrong. And their body goes into this fight or flight state and their body is triggered that fight or flight response simply by what's going on in their mind. So when you change what's going on in your mind, you change those, I can't cope, I'm so stressed, um, it's overwhelming, um, and you start calling it my anxiety, and, it, and you repeat these things to, to you know, your family, your friends, people you see, and you make it bigger and bigger. When you take control of that and start saying to yourself, you know what, I've got this, you know what, I've got phenomenal coping skills, I'm super resilient. And you say those things on repeat again and again and again and again, they start to become true and they downregulate your nervous system. So you're not in that fight or flight mode anymore. So you can relax more and feel more at ease within yourself. Oh, that's good advice. And as a professional, I know that you use RTT uh, to help people. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and, and how that helps people? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people have no idea what RTT is. It stands for rapid. Yeah. <laughs> Rapid transformational therapy, and I can describe it as a hybrid form of hypnotherapy. So you, you, you go into a relaxed state, and it's just purely by being relaxed, you can speak to that quiet part of your mind, that subconscious part that knows everything about you, and you can find out what the, the root cause is of whatever issue that you're struggling with. And then when you've got that awareness, you've got that understanding, you can completely transform how, how you feel about that. You can replace that unhelpful belief with a really empowering belief. And I make my clients a recording, a personal recording, and we just imprint and recode their mind with all the things that they want, how they want to feel, and the habits they want to have. And it's the repetition of listening to that starts to rewire the mind. And actually, instead of being something that you consciously do, it just starts to happen naturally, effortlessly. So you're not fighting or struggling. And I think that that's really the case with weight loss. When my clients come to me, when they're struggling with their weight, they say it's a battle. It's a struggle. And when you take away the, the, the battle, the fight, and just work with the mind, it then becomes easy. And you start saying, I'm choosing to do this. And it's, and it's, it's fascinating work. I find it absolutely fascinating. And I love, you know, you never know what's going to come up in a session with a client and you just have to deal with whatever comes up. Um, 
but it's just my job. It's not about my understanding. It's my job just to facilitate their understanding. And as soon as they've got that awareness and the understanding, everything changes. Yeah, the, the way the brain works is absolutely fascinating. I'm saying it's fascinating. I don't know very much about how the brain works. I'm not sure anybody knows that much about how the brain works. But the bit that we do know is is certainly it is fascinating. I'm sure it it is designed to help us in some ways, but sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Oh my goodness, it can be our own worst enemy, absolutely. And um, and and it's it all a lot of the time it comes back to beliefs we pick up about ourselves as children. So when we're young, between the age of two and 12, our subconscious mind is wide open. We don't reject things. We just believe everything we're told. And, and we start to pick up certain beliefs about ourselves. And some of these beliefs can be really fantastic, empowering beliefs, and others are less so. And they're the ones that we need to weed out. They're the, they're the beliefs that we need to, to, to transform. So everyone feels good within themselves. Yes, and it's interesting when you look back Certainly, I think education is changing or has changed since I was a child, but it's changed in many, many ways. Um, certainly, if you don't use chalk and blackboards for a start. But, um, you know, it was very much a case of, you know, being told what to do and and quite a lot of negativity, I guess, the dance world, uh, 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 even more so, um, rather than the positive belief that I think is certainly a lot of people are trying to drill into children these days. Yeah, and I think... Um... As a mum, especially, you see, you know, your, your, your child comes out of school and sort of say, oh, I'm, I'm rubbish at art. You're like, no, you're not. You, you love drawing. No, I'm rubbish. Well, who said you're rubbish? Oh, this kid in my class said I was rubbish. He didn't like my drawing of a dinosaur. And you're like, okay, so you're going to let one person's opinion of your drawing affect how you feel about yourself? <laughs> and it's just going, you love drawing. You're great at drawing. And you know what? You're only nine years old. Think about how good you're going to be at drawing when you're 19 years old if you keep practicing. And it's just about transforming those little beliefs they start to pick up straight away so they stop putting themselves down. Like, and, and often in sessions, funnily enough, teachers do come up. Something that was said, like one of my clients she had, who was struggling with anxiety, struggling with procrastination, um, not doing the, the assignments that she, she had to do. And we went right back to a scene when she was six years old and the teacher was ripping up her work, telling her she was stupid. And she was so embarrassed because this happened in front of the class. Uh, so teachers are really important in empowering children. And it's about building their self-esteem. It doesn't matter what their gifts or talents are. Some are going to be better at math. Some are going to be better at sports. Some better at, you know, languages. It's about empowering them and building their self-esteem. So they don't feel they have to compete with other people, that they're just focusing on themselves and what they're good at and following their gifts and their talents and, and just improving themselves, not worrying about what everyone else is doing and how they compare. And it's such a challenging job. And I think the more we learn about mindset, the more we learn about our subconscious mind, the more we can start to educate our kids so they don't end up with the same limiting beliefs that we've picked up. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And. Um I'm keen to, to move on to talking a bit about the business that, that you yeah. run. And many listeners to this podcast are running a business around family responsibilities. And I know that you've got three children. So how do you manage it? <laughs> well, I've, I've had to get really disciplined with myself um, because it, the lines between work and home life can really get blurry. 
and uh, it wasn't that long ago I've got my son in the bath and I'm sitting on the loo just like posting um, a, like a work post on Instagram thinking this is not the way to do this <laughs> so I had to get really disciplined with myself and just say like this is my this is my time for marketing this is my time to you know um work with clients this is my time to um do my accounting and then have it so it fits in so you have to create your own timetable really so I can still be there to pick them up from school to take them to their activities still be a full-time mum because one of the beliefs that was installed in my subconscious from a kid was like you can't have it all Samantha you can't have it all and the belief that I picked up was you can't be a good mum and a successful businesswoman and that was a belief I had to work on because I thought any time I was working on my business was making me a bad mum. And any time I was, you know, being with the kids, I was, you know, being rubbish at business. And it's something I had to look at and redefine for myself. What is success for me? Actually, success is being there for my kids and then structuring my time that I can also be there for my clients in a, in a, in a healthy, balanced way. And, and it's a constant learning process. I'll say that. I get it wrong loads. I think well, we 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 all do, or certainly I do too. It's uh, it is it is difficult, and sometimes it, it is a case of when you're, you know, outside of a swimming pool or sat on the loo with a child in the bath of of using the most of those couple of minutes. But having healthy boundaries is something that I think we can probably, well, I can certainly work much more on. It's very difficult when you when you run your own business. Definitely, and I think when you're in a profession that you especially when you care about other people and you want to help other people. And then they're like, can you help me now? And you're like, well, I could, but then that means that I, I won't be there to um, pick my kids up from school. Or that means that I won't be able to do dinner um, for the kids and I have to get my husband involved. And, and that would be a disaster for everybody. So it's just, <laughs> it's like, well, how do I, how do I do that? How can I still be there for my clients? And I think removing the guilt. So just telling yourself, I'm not going to feel guilty about this. I'm not going to beat myself up because I can't do it. I'm going to say, you know what, I can, I, I can give you my time. And, and also, so you can be at your best for your clients. I'll give you my time, but this is when I'm available. I can't just wash you in because it impacts so many other people. And, and then you start to build sort of resentment and then you start to, you know, run on, run on empty. So it's, it's definitely about setting some boundaries and then the hardest part the most challenging is sticking to them <laughs> definitely and it's it's interesting coming back to you know beliefs that we've that we've had I think for many of us small business owners it's a case of any client is a good client and so when somebody does need your help urgently you you will want you want to help them just as a human being would want to help another human being but also you've got that belief that this is a client this is somebody who's going to pay you money so I should fit them in at the expense of either other clients or of my family. And I guess that's another belief that we that we have to think about and work around as to whether actually that is the right thing to do or whether we are better off setting those boundaries and saying, well, I'd love to help you, but I can't fit you in now. You need to wait two weeks or whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you keep giving and giving and giving, I had this conversation with um, my cousin. She's a yoga teacher. She's a hairdresser. She does sound healing um, and she does a lot for her family and she's constantly giving. She's so generous and loving. She was just, she just hit a wall and she was exhausted. And we, we 
we don't want to do that. We don't want to burn ourselves out so that we then just sort of have a, a meltdown and and then can't serve anybody. We have to keep sort of topping up our energy levels and just like a battery, you know, recharging ourselves, you know, making sure that we stop working and we turn the screens off in the evening, which is so much e- you know, easier said than done. Um, and and just say, you know what, it's the bank holiday. Yes, I could do some work and I could fit clients in, but I'm actually going to choose to have that as my family time. Or even what we don't tend to do very often as women is just have some nothing time. Mm. Nothing time, just time to just be, to, you know, push around. We never schedule that in because then there's that element of, I feel so guilty. I, sh- you know, I should, I should, that word, I should be doing something else. I should be doing this. Yes. Just going, actually, you know what I'm doing? I'm just giving myself a little bit of time to do nothing. Definitely. That sounds like a very good plan. <laughs> and now, can we talk a little bit about the fact that you, you've changed your business so that you were teaching and that you became a therapist and coach and a little bit about how you managed to do that actual pivot, um, to use a word that has uh, probably no longer trendy, but certainly trended a year or so ago. <laughs> I understand it. Yeah. So completely, you know, pivoting my business from teaching classes, running nutrition sessions to going all in to doing the therapy um there were a lot of hurdles to overcome necessarily um on a business side but on a personal side um because in my mind it was like well you're going to lose all your clients those people that have been with you all these years they're not going to be interested they're not going to want what what you're selling now um who are you to do this who do you think you are you know all those little beliefs that that sort of creep in and and sort of criticize you and put you down it's like actually you know what I'm still helping people I'm still helping people become fitter I'm still helping people to make healthy choices and now I'm I'm working out their mind as opposed to their bodies so I started to look for ways that actually it was just a natural transition it was a growth process as opposed to a complete change of direction um to to sort of help navigate the the self-doubt and the insecurities. I still use the same platforms. I still have the same mailing list. Um, and and my audience has, has grown as I start to talk more and more about what I do and who I help. But for a lot of people, they're still like, oh yeah, you, you know, you're the dancer, you're the dance teacher. And it's like, no, I, I, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. Now I do this and I talk about who I help. Um, but the who I help, actually that person is still the same person. Yeah, and in terms of the sort of practical way of, of of transforming that business, did you? I'm assuming you didn't just suddenly stop one day doing classes and your nutrition business, and suddenly start doing coaching and therapy. That it, was it more of a gradual change. Did you cut down well, the number of classes, or well, because of COVID, the the venue that I was teaching in closed. So I first transitioned to going online and learning how on earth does Zoom work. Obviously, now we all know how Zoom works and then running classes on on Zoom. And I lost, I think, two thirds of my clients um, just moving on to Zoom because they couldn't couldn't work it out. They didn't. They felt unfamiliar with it. Um, And over time, I picked up those clients again because we were we were sort of having to. We were sort of locked down for so long and they were thinking, oh, it's not just a couple of weeks off. Mm. It's now turning into a month off and my fitness is, is suffering. 
So my business had transitioned anyway through no choice of mine. Um, but there came a point, I think, when we the venue did open up again, I went back to teaching. There, I remember, actually, I taught a class. It was quite a quiet class, and it was an adult ballet class. And then as I drove away from the studios that day, I just burst into tears. And some part of me was like, you're done. You're done with this. It's time to move on. And I was really upset. Got home, was crying my eyes out. And I don't, I don't know what it was. It was just part of me knew that's, that's that, that part of my life is now, you know, I'm finished. It's over. You need to now push yourself into you know, what you now know about, you know, the mind and the therapy that I'm doing, you've got to go all in. So it, it kind of came from my own gut instinct mm-hmm. and I was terrified, <laughs> absolutely terrified. And I have to say that <laughs> my husband was amazing because so many times I was just like, what am I doing? I'm just going to, you know, throw in the towel and just go and work in MS and just get paid and just talk to people and, you know, just get a local job that I can fit in around the kids and, and then I'll be happy. And he was just like, yeah, okay. You're just <laughs> having a moment, get over that and then get your head back down and concentrate. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people have been there, haven't they? When they're running their own business, they get to that point and say, it's not working. It's all a disaster. I'm just going to give it all up. And it's interesting, actually, everybody I know that I speak to about this, it's always a job in a supermarket. I don't know what it is about a supermarket. It's not usually as classy as M&S. They're normally talking about Asda or Tesco's. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I think it's because those jobs you can fit around your kids, I think, and you don't have to retrain in anything. And I think that's probably why we all, always say, I'll just go and work in the, in, the, in the supermarket because you think, well, I can fit around the kids. Or just get paid for turning up and I still get to chat to people. Exactly. And it seems like a, a job that is fairly mindless. And I don't mean that to demean people who work in supermarkets, but sitting there scanning, you're not having to think about, have I done this? Have I done that? Have I done the other? It's literally you are sat there and you're doing in the moment. And like you say, talking to people and and then you can go home at whatever time of the day and just do something else. But anyway, we're here to encourage people to, <laughs> to, to run their own businesses and tell them how exciting it can be. Can we talk about how you find clients or how clients clients find you? In the early days, I, I did lots of different courses, marketing courses, business courses and things like this. And, and I was always trying to follow what the expert was telling me to do and made lots of mistakes, wasted a lot of money on Facebook ads, doing business, you know, uh, boosted posts, Google ads. I tried all these things because I was told that's what I should be doing. Um, and then when I stopped trying to do what everyone was telling me to do and just started talking about who I helped, not about what I do. So, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm a, I'm a therapist and a coach and I've trained in RTT. Uh, I, I just sort of, I, I now talk about my clients and their stories and their journeys and what they were struggling with and what they, what they, you know, the freedom that they found now. And that completely changed the responses that I was getting um, and the uh, the connections that I was making um, so for me I think actually talking about who you help as opposed to what you do is, is a big game changer interesting and and in terms of the marketing I, I think there's a lesson for us all there in terms of you can listen to all of the experts but then you've got to adapt it to what you do 
and and to you as well, because we don't all like doing the same kind of thing. There are people who are very comfortable on video. There are people who are not comfortable on video. And you've got to do the kind of things that you are happy to do. Otherwise, you just won't do them. Um, but what what marketing platforms in particular have you found that have been particularly good for you? I follow you on Instagram, so I know you're active on there. But you know, which which platforms have you found to be helpful? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I looked at TikTok and I just thought, no, that's not for me. Or it, it's I don't I don't quite get it at the moment. I will maybe revisit it later down the line, but I don't I don't I can't quite bring myself to focus on that. I'm uh, so my main platforms are definitely Facebook and Instagram. And um, w- when you were saying about you know things that you do that sort of funny things that we do that work for us, I would definitely say. Getting uncomfortable with doing videos is definitely a great um, marketing um, tool to use. And it's doing things that make you uncomfortable. That's where the growth is. So, and, and for me, when I, I worked with a video, videographer once and I was cringing, literally cringing about making a video um, talking and posting on Facebook. And um, she she just pulled me aside and she said, it's not about you, not about how you look, it's not about your hair. She said, it's about who you help. So stop thinking about what you look like and what you sound like. Start focusing on who you help. Get over yourself. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it then, it then pushed me to then make the video and talk about who I help and sharing the video. And I found videos get so much more engagement. Um, get more comments, get more feedback, get more shares. So definitely posting videos on my the, my two preferred platforms of Facebook and Instagram have helped. But I had to get over myself. <laughs> I had to stop thinking it's got to be perfect and start saying seven out of ten is your new perfect. <laughs> definitely. And I think we all go through that. And I see that happen with so many other entrepreneurs with both photos and, and with video and certainly things like photos on their website and I always liken it to if you know there was a child run over in front of you got hit by a car in front of you you wouldn't say oh I can't possibly go and help that child because I'm, my hair's not great today or I'm not wearing lipstick or you know I'm feeling about a stone heavier than I than I really should do you would just go and help and I think that's the same message I try and give to to my clients in terms of You've got to think about who you're helping. It's not a, it's not a vanity thing for you. People aren't looking at you and what your hair is like and, and things like that. And yes, when it comes to things like professional photos on your website, you want to look like the best version of you. But on something like social media, which is gone within 24 hours, then people just don't care. They're just scrolling. They're not focused on on you and what you look like. I guess a lot of this goes back to those beliefs that we were told when we were children absolutely absolutely and it's part of that I must I I must look a certain way I must present myself a certain way but actually it's it's what makes you you so getting your words mixed up having a brain fog moment and still sharing that video anyway being able to I don't know laugh at yourself or trip over or just however you present the video doesn't matter because actually it's your flaws or our flaws should I say that make us um, able to connect to other people because it makes us real. We're not these shiny, perfect beings. There's no such thing as perfect. Perfect's like an ever-moving goalpost. Mm. So 
just by going, you know what, this is me. I screw up. I forget what I'm going to say sometimes or I, I, I mix up my words. And it's okay because that will then attract people who um, really resonate with that. It will attract them to you and you'll find more aligned clients by not trying to be perfect, by just being yourself. Definitely. And people are looking more for empathy than they are looking for perfection, certainly when it comes to service-based businesses, when you're effectively you know, selling what you yourself do as opposed to selling, I don't know, tin of beans or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's about making that, that human connection. And what, sort of looking forward in terms of your business, what excites you about the future of your business? I am really passionate at the moment that my passions do kind of change as I sort of go along. But right now, I would love to go into schools, work with teenagers, uh, go into dance colleges and and help them build their self-confidence. There are far too many uh, young people struggling with anxiety and I'm finding that in my business. I predominantly help women, but a lot of those women then bring me their, their children or their niece or their nephew who's struggling hugely with anxiety. And I would love to go into schools, colleges and just help build the their resilience, their confidence, their, you know, their coping skills. So it doesn't then affect them when they, when they go out into, you know, their work life. That's, that's not something that's going to hold them back. That is, that is for me this year, that's the direction that I would, I would like to go while still balancing being a mom, working with my, uh, my one-to-one clients, but I would definitely like to do, (laughs) do, do that group. Um, especially having a 16-year-old and a fifth or nearly 16-year-old and a 14-year-old and seeing what they're going through with exams, with um, issues at school, especially my daughter, friendship issues at school and girls' low self-esteem and how that impacts their relationships with the other girls and how brutal it can be. I would love to go in and, and sort that out. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly as a mother of, of teenagers as well, I, I get that completely. And and it's not just you see it in your own children, but you also see it in the stories that they tell about friends or other people at school. And it does seem to be a real epidemic um, of anxiety within that kind of age group. Yeah, definitely. Even my son, I, I, I make him a recording as well just to encourage his, uh, the blossoming of his self-confidence and his self-esteem. And I've changed the way I talk to him since studying RTT. It completely changed me as, and, and how I parent. Um, and I found with, I was just asking him last week because he, start, he started his GCSEs. And I sort of said, how are your friends coping? And he was like, oh, so-and-so's off. They're, they're ill. Um, this, my other friend, they're really scared about their, you know, their results and the exams. And they're so nervous and fearful. And I was like, how are you feeling? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I said, you, you know, you, you can choose not to buy into that, right? You can choose not to let the the intensity as, as all the anxiety goes up amongst the, the staff and the students. You can choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that in. I'm not going to let that affect me because I feel confident with how I'm doing. I feel in, uh, focused on my revision. I know my teachers have said, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. So I was like, you can choose to ignore that. You can choose to opt out of that and just do you. And, um, and he's, he's got a great attitude, especially for a 15-year-old boy. It's quite... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. 
<laughs> but it, it's true that there is an awful lot of that hype around. And certainly, I certainly found with, with my daughter, um, during the holiday, she wasn't too bad. But then as soon as she got back to school, it was like, everybody knows far more than me. Everybody's done more work than me, or people have done less work than me, but they still know more than me. And and, and it's getting caught up in, in everybody else that can yeah. be a real cause yeah. of that anxiety. Yeah. And that's what she was doing, just comparing herself to everyone else and judging herself as less than. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, actually, you're really bright. You can, you can catch up if you need to catch up or you just focus on what you've got to do. Don't worry about what they're doing. You're Absolutely. a bright girl. I keep, I keep saying to her and I say to my clients, slay your own lane. Don't worry about, you know, put your blinkers on. Don't worry about what's happening elsewhere. You just focus on you and, and what you do best. Yeah, I spoke to someone yesterday who was just saying, oh, with the posting on social media and it's really stressing me out and I feel like I've got to keep up. And like, stop focusing on everybody else. I know this is easier said than done, but stop focusing on everyone else. Post what you want to post. Share what you want to share. Do it at a time to suit you. And, and don't buy into the, the chaos that sort of everyone's doing this, everyone's better than me because it's not true. Absolutely not. We're all thinking that. <laughs> so, um, I've got some final questions to ask you, but before I do that, can you let people know where they can find you, your, your website and your social media? I will put the links in the show notes, but if you can just let people know. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, my website is samantha-goddard.com uh, or you can just Google Samantha Goddard or Rapid Transformational Therapy. If you're in and around the Seven Oaks area, I'll, I'll, I'll pop up. Um, and uh, on Instagram, same thing. I think it's Samantha.Goddard on Instagram um, and same on, on Facebook as well. Brilliant. And so obviously people listening to this as a podcast listen to other podcasts as well. And I always like to ask my guests any other podcasts that you can recommend. Well, I do listen to yours, Marie. I really like yours. Oh, and thank I you. I love the fact that it's mums because it's so relatable. Mums running businesses and um, that, that really does help inspire me um, and, and, and encourage me. And uh, the other one I like to listen to uh, is Impact Theory. Oh, not heard of that yeah, one. Impact Theory. And it's uh, Tom Bailu and I think how you pronounce it. Bailu, Bailu, Bailu. Um, and it's, he, he has a lot of guests that talk about mindset they talk a lot about health and nutrition so it's all definitely you know all things that really um appeal to me yeah um, but he, he has he has some great guests and it's really interesting ah i have to uh have to have a listen to that one then i i, I love this because i get tips of podcasts to listen to as well i've got a huge list now in my list of podcasts that i follow um and a business book um or or audio book if you prefer that that you would recommend yeah, the business book I'm currently reading is called Zero Resistance Selling and it's by Dr. Maxwell Maltz and he was a plastic surgeon and um, it's all about the self-image, the image of the self, of ourselves that we hold in our mind is completely different to the image that other people see um, and, it, and it talks about selling because for a lot of, or for me especially and a lot of business owners, that the sale can feel a bit icky or talking about price it you, you know sometimes you can trip over your own words or get a bit uncomfortable and it's actually teaching you how to again get over that uncomfortable feeling get over those those limiting beliefs about yourself changing your self-image so you can deliver a really powerful um pitch 
that and that you feel comfortable with and just again it's 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 the mindset side around it but it's practical tips as well which I, I find really useful that one sounds really helpful because certainly I know a lot of business people who do feel icky about selling and undersell themselves as a result so I think we need all the help we can get so that's that's a really good uh, recommendation and finally uh, a business tip for anybody listening I think that the biggest favor we can do ourselves is to stop criticizing ourselves what in business in life whatever it is stop telling yourself what you can't do stop setting up your own sort of limitations and start raising yourself even if it's not true you can actually lie to your subconscious mind and if you do that on repeat it will become true so saying to yourself i love posting on social media i love recording videos you might not, but if you keep lying to your mind, your mind will let it in. So you can start saying, I love marketing. Marketing's my favorite. It's really good fun. I love sharing um, my tips and things that I do, even if it's not true. I love getting in front of clients and selling to them. Just start lying to your mind because your mind cannot tell the difference. Your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between what's true, false, right, wrong, good, bad. Keep doing it on repeat. Your subconscious mind will let it in. And it will be true for you. I love that tip. I've not heard that one before. I mean, I've heard, I've certainly heard similar things said before, but certainly not as a business tip. I absolutely love that one. Thank you so much, Sam. That's been really, really helpful. I hope people will have got an awful lot out of this recording. Thank you, Marie. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business, or scaling it. And see you next week.